got something to say. Won't tell us yet. I just sing a song about the dog. You should pull it downward when you pull out. Okay. When you pull out. Look, Interesting, in this story, they don't. <laughs> We're talking about Mormons again? Close. <laughs> we gotta go to the Mormon bridge. You wanna go there with me? The Mormal, t- Mormal? The Mormal Tabernacle car? Yep. Exactly. What do we have to do? We gotta go to the Mormon hill. The hill of Mormon. Why? They die there? You die there. Probs. Do it. <laughs> Sacrifice me. Alright, can we just... Also, I know you don't have a lot of time on your hands, but when you are subsequently one-jobbed, you need to start playing the Myrtle. Myrtle. Mm-hmm. It's like Wordle, but not. You get... It's not Myrtle. Yeah, you get like a, a random thing, and then you get clues, and then you have like a board, and you have to mark, and then you figure out who did it, why, and with what. So it's clues. But way better. We gotta play villains clue. Do you know? I was gonna I... tell you to bring one in because we might have some fucking time. Oh, most of them are like two or three people though. I got. I definitely got one that was at least two players only. We gotta um do hunt a killer. I really wanna do it. Oh yeah, I have. I haven't started a new one. I just thought maybe like after work, you know. Yeah. Like an hour in of hunt a killer and then go home. Yeah, man. I finally stopped the subscription. The subscription. Subscription. Oh, I still need my notes. Notes. <laughs> Put your phone down. You know what I'm going to do? This one on the fly. I mean, I probably could do a lot of it. Oh, I couldn't. I have no idea what I'm about to tell you. I mean, this I was familiar with Have I with got before. notes? Yes, I do. Did I remember any of them? No. <sighs> Speaking of not pulling out. Received. <laughs> Resove. Go ahead. We're going to talk about Andrea Pia Yates. Hmm. You don't work immediately know? Water Yates. No, I know it's like, I know of her, but I don't know what she's of. Oh, okay. So, she was born July 2nd, 1964 in Houston, Texas. Oh, no, I know. Uh-huh, of course. <laughs> 1964, July 2nd. It was a hot day in the summer. In especially in Texas. Uh-huh. Um, she's the youngest of five children. She had bulimia during teenage years, as well as depression, and she spoke to a friend about suicide when she was 17. Didn't we all? <clears throat> I feel like no. I feel oh, like yeah. R.I.P. There are a lot of people that didn't. Oh, you're very boring. I know. <laughs> what are you wearing? Very boring. Shout out to Steve Olander, my <laughs> your suicide, my suicide buddy. Yeah, we kept each other safe. I actually don't think I. I would like joke about it, but I don't. Oh my god. I thought about it constantly. I just didn't have anybody to talk to about it. Oh yeah, Steve O, my boy. <laughs> you're, you're my, my boy, boy Blue. Blue. <laughs> Oh, boy. This is going to be a good one. Okay. <laughs> she graduated high school in 1982. Almost my birth year. I was year. not born. Class valedictorian, captain of the swim team, and an officer in the National Honor Society. Class president. She graduated from University of Texas Health Center at Houston. From 1986 to 1994, she worked, at a re- she worked <laughs> as a registered nurse at the University of Texas. MD Anderson's Cancer Center. You're feeling some type of way and you're like, I gotta help other people. Mm-hmm. Same a million times. Or I am a mess in my head. I'm gonna be a psych major. Oh, yeah, absolutely. In 1989, she met Russell Rusty Ram. Yates. Oh. I wish. <laughs> an engineer and sunscape apart. Oh. <laughs> you didn't chew horn, OJ. Why are you picking up that drink? 
Because I can't speak. I need to slow down my brain child. She's The brain child is hyped up. Bopping. Like a padded room. He was an engineer at Sunscape Apartments, and they were married April 17th, 1993. I was 10. Mm-hmm. 10 and... Nine days. I love the sound of Sunscape Apartments. I think that just sounds really beautiful. Probably a shithole. You think it's garbage? Probably. Literally is in the ghetto. Perhaps. Or like just... Ghetto. It's like... Draws like we got this pool that's salmonella, but it's cool in the Houston it's summers. Sunscape because there's no air conditioning. It's just a hellhole. Probably. <clears throat> okay. Mm-hmm. Her family. So they bought a four-bedroom house and announced that they would seek to have as many babies as nature allowed. Okay. Noah was the first child, born February 26, 1994. Kept gathering everything by twos, curiously. <laughs> two pencils, yeah. two backpacks, two dogs. <laughs> Just really had a thing for the number two. Turned yeah. OCD. <laughs> Shortly after he was born, Rusty accepted a job in Florida, so they moved into a small trailer in Seminole. John was born December 15th, 1995. Paul, born September 13th, 1997. Really wasted no time there. I was starting high school that year. And by then, they had moved back to Houston and purchased a GMC motorhome. Luke (laughs) was born... Thank you for letting me know the make and model. <laughs> it's important. It's not. Oh, God. Oh, okay. Luke. Like, Luke. Christ, why? Luke. Was born February 15th, 1999, and after his birth, Andrea became depressed. Oh, well, yeah. You've been pregnant nonstop since 1990. On June 16th. <clears throat> pardon me. Look at him. Now he's, like, dead. Yeah. It's it exhausting. He's been on the podcast for 20 minutes. And he got so excited about the skip it. Yeah, y'all. I bought a skip it. Suck it. Everyone's like, we're 12. We don't know what that is. They're like, bop it. Oh, I didn't <laughs> like that. So, Luke's born. On June 16th, 1999. So, that's like, he was born in February. So, he's whatever, four months old. Mm-hmm. Um, Rusty found Andrea shaking and chewing her fingers. The like, na- I Yeah. Like biting her nails. I don't know. Okay. I like to picture the whole hand in the mouth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just biting mm-hmm. my fingers, chewing them. Because why have fingers, man? The next day, she attempted suicide by overdosing on 40 pills of her mother's antidepressant medication. How many antidepressants does it take? Not 40. Mm. I guess it depends on the medication also as well. And don't they usually take it with alcohol, I feel? Mm. She was admitted to the hospital and she was prescribed antidepressants. Zoloft. That seems curious. If I took 40 of them, they didn't do anything. Help me. And while she wasn't stable, she was discharged, as noted on her chart, for insurance reasons. Well, for problem with the, uh, can I say it? What? <laughs> Having mental health be covered by the government. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she can't say it. <laughs> while she was there, she told the staff that she took the pills to sleep forever. Yeah, I just wanted to sleep forever. Yeah, I mean, it's that sounds great. goal. It does sound wonderful. She didn't like taking medication. She would stay in bed all day and self-mutilate. She scratched four bald patches on her scalp, picked sores in her nose, and obsessively scraped score marks on her legs and arms. I don't know what score she was keeping. <laughs> I see what you did. But I'm pic- I think, th- isn't that what that means? I was picturing, like, tick marks. Yeah, it's um, self-mutilation. You probably see, um, not to, to say it out loud in a podcast, but, like, it's down the road, not across the street. Score marks are the... Ticks going in the opposite direction. So it's not going to kill you because it doesn't go the length of the artery, but 
Yeah, she was keeping score. Probably how many fucking kids she had. What ones are her? How many months she's been pregnant? <laughs> All of them. Kill me. Later, she tells psychiatrists that she saw visions and heard voices telling her to get a knife. At the same time, she refused to feed her children, including nursing the baby. She refused to feed her children, including mm-hmm. nursing the baby Luke. She wouldn't. Nurse That's what the baby. I heard. Is that how you said? I felt like it was like it. I don't know. Mm. It just seemed weird in my head. The babbity bap up. <laughs> Toner low. She claimed that all of her kids were eating too much, so that's why she wasn't feeding them. She cloned <clears throat> Never reported to doctors by Andrea or her husband, whom she told she was experiencing bizarre delusions and hallucinations. So she told Rusty, Rusty didn't tell a doctor, Andrea didn't tell a doctor. Um, she What's be- going on with these people? You're going to tell me? Mm-hmm. I'm shocked that you are on my page. Okay. So she believed there were video cameras in the ceilings watching her in various rooms. And she believed that television characters were communicating with her. The day before... There. You see that really? Yeah. The day before a doctor's appointment, um, Rusty found her in the bathroom looking at the mirror with a knife to her throat. She <laughs> was begging him to... There's something about Pam. Yes, she was begging them, or Rusty, to let her kill herself. And he had to, like, rustle, rustle, rustle the uh, knife away from her. Like, just institutionalize her already. She's clearly a danger to herself and others. So her husband told her doctor that she was supposed to see the next day, and the doctor insisted that she be hospitalized again, Mm -hmm. this time at a private facility. During her second... if you don't have money for a regular facility, God knows the private ones will help you. Yeah, I'm not sure. (laughs) Um, maybe they had secret money, but insurance. I don't fuck. I don't give shit. She was there. (laughs) She was just there. And she used the time well because during her second hospitalization, she was catatonic for 10 days. Oh, I would love that. The only documentation of this is the time and the place where it was only ever documented that she had hallucinations and it was not self-reported. It was as observed by doctors and doctor's assistants. So they're like... She's talking to something that's not there. Okay. So at this, in this hospitalization, she was given a multi-drug injection and she immediately improved, which is reported by Rusty. He said after her. He was able to see her, I guess. Yeah. He said after that injection, they had one of their best conversations, like later that night, that they had ever had. She's about to kill herself. Later, it was found out that she considered the truth an in the truth. I was about to read. She considered the truth an injection serum. Here <laughs> I am. She considered She's not wrong. <laughs> she considered the injection a truth serum that caused her to lose her self control in a way that she hated. So this, this is the most enlightening conversation I've ever had with my wife. Oh. It's because she can't control herself, <laughs> she, and she thinks you've drugged her. She believes she's drugs. But so like, just like another bizarre delusion. After that, Rusty moved the family into a small house for the sake of her health because they're still living in a freaking camper. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Jimmy. <laughs> a freaking DeLorean. Exactly. <clears throat> still living in a DeLorean. A family of twelve. <laughs> the doors go up. It has though. one door. Good for headroom. Um. So they move in the small house, and for a while, she seemed stable. During this time, the family was engaging in three nights per week of Bible study in the living room because her husband did not like any of the area churches. All right. Does that mean they get a tax write-off? The living room is now a church? Who knows? Can we do that? I'm ordained. Bathed in his blood. 
Using the view of Michael Warrenekis. Hey, turn it off, though. Yeah, hold it. And then it's going to blink blue. Michael Warrenekis. Yes, he is. You My know. name is Michael Warrenekis. You know, he's one of them people. Looks cute. Yeah, nice. You're going to take it? Yeah. Good. Um, no, bitch, it's too short. Size matters. So Michael Warnekis, I looked into him and I just can't be bothered. I went to his fucking website. Can't be asked. He's just one Michael. of those, I know everything about religion. I'm the religious person. Follow me. I'm so cool. He believed in biblical inerrancy, which is the belief that the Bible is without error or fault in its teaching. Say it to me one more time that the Bible is without error or fault in its teaching. In all its teaching. In all its writing, in all its teaching. So despite there being several versions of the same Bible. He, whatever Bible he picks is inerrant. Okay. Inerrant. Is that a word? I don't know. I love it. Well, because it's biblical inerrancy. So I just figured. Oh my God. Biblical inerrancy. Yeah. We're learning. Mon Dieu. You gotta learn today. You. Oh, you sound, now you sound like my dad. <laughs> I was trying to sound like Kevin Hart. It's a bit. I didn't sound at all like Kevin Hart. Um, okay, so one of the Warnekis teachings is repent or burn. Oh. And Andrea identified with that particularly. Yeah, she wants to kill herself, of course. So she, so they were like, I believe they met him. And then they moved. And the reason why they moved into that camper bus thing is because that's what this guy does. He gets in a school bus or wherever. He drives to college campuses and he's like, burn or repent or whatever. Okay. And so whenever they separated from the same area, they she be, she was still corresponding with him and his family. <clears throat> he believed that the role of a woman is derived from the sin of Eve and that bad mothers create bad children. Well, I'm not opposed to the idea. Um, at one point, his hell-burning influence on Andrea concerned her parents and also Rusty. Now, Rusty also was a fan of this guy. The reason he didn't want to go to the area churches is because this guy was like, you can't trust organized religion. Hmm. So you got to do it your own fucking self. And I don't hate that idea either. But you also don't know any fucking shit. Like, well, exactly. You're starting your own organized That's religion. That's the thing of it. Don't start a new organization. Like, what's his tits did that also? Like, don't try to recruit people. Just do your Bible study in your living room and mind your business. Yes. Worry about yourself. Exactly. You drive. Well, I can't think of his name. Only Warren Jeffs is coming to my mind. Um, what's his head with the coolie? Bill Cosby. Oh no, that's Jello. <sighs> yes, Jello. And Spanish Fly. Oh, 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 oh. What's his tits? Yeah. There. Well, there's two of them. I'm trying to think of now. Billy Graham. No. And Joel Osteen. No, none of those is correct. Oh, he went to. I guess I'll just go fuck Africa myself. And he had people drink the Kool Aid. Like, oh, bitch, Jim Jones. Jones, thank you, my God. I thought you were talking about. A... No, 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 no. But that it was the same thing. Like, don't trust organized religion. Don't trust the man. There's too much control, and we'll go here and we'll create our own thing. And they're like, oh, surprise, I'm nuts. Yep. It's always the last sentence. Okay, so in July 1999, she had a nervous breakdown, which culminated in two suicide attempts and two psychiatric hospitalizations that summer, and she was diagnosed with postpartum psychosis. Hmm. Yates was advised to not have any more children, as it would guarantee future psychotic depression. Okay, fair. When she became pregnant... Hmm. 
Both her doctor and Andrea's mother were alarmed. Andrea's mother believed that Rusty's demands of homeschool and have as many children as God will allow prompted Andrea's breakdown. Yeah, I think that's very reasonable. Um, A former colleague of Andrea claimed that Andrea continually depicted Rusty as manipulative and controlling and that Rusty pushed her to have the fifth baby. Her fifth and final child, a girl named Mary, she was born November 30th, 2000, was conceived approximately seven weeks after Yates' discharge. Hmm. Conceived, yeah. Mm -hmm. She stopped taking Halidol, Halidol, which she had been put on before, which had worked for her. She stopped taking it in March 2000 because she was pregnant. And she seemed to be coping well after she gave birth until her father dies. Why wouldn't she go back on it? Is it like nursing and you can Probably, I guess. But also it's the same people, when you feel better without it, you're like, I don't need it. And she didn't like taking medication. She didn't even want to admit she had any mental health, any problems. Like, obviously you do. Ma'am. So after her father died, she stopped talking. She would continually hold the baby, Mary, but not feed her. She would not drink liquids, and she scratched and picked at her scalp until she started to become bald again. That's trickle All the same thing she's had. Mm-hmm. So March 31st, 2001, Mary at this point is four months old. Rusty sought to rehospitalize Andrea on doctor's urging. Andrea didn't want to go. She was convinced by her husband and her brother to go, but then when she got there, she refused to sign forms to admit herself. Doctor thought her condition was dangerous, so he started the process of involuntary commitment. And then finally, with more prodding, Andrea signed herself in. I don't think that's wise. Don't prod her. Mm -hmm. If she's involuntary committed, she can't take herself out. Yeah. But so she can just sign her own self out. Sorry, Mm -hmm. bitch. I'm so sorry. It's okay. So the doctor's account of her condition came entirely. This is Dr. Saeed. Like, I didn't write names, but I'm pretty sure he's the only doctor we're referring to from now on. Same doctor. Um, So the doctor's account of her condition came entirely from her husband's description, not from her and not from any other doctors that had dealt with her. Perfect. Um, Partly, he didn't get anything from her because she rarely spoke. Um, Rusty requested that she be put back. Yeah, she was doing catatonia the last time she was hospitalized. Okay. Rusty requested she be put back on Haldol as it worked for her previously and the doctor complied. I'll say I don't care for that either. Don't control my prescriptions and prescriptions let me control my own pregnancies you know like Mm -hmm. but i mean if she's having an episode and it worked and Mm -hmm. she's not partaking and this doctor is only talking to the husband yeah so the doctor okay so you just remember you just said catatonic right Mm -hmm. okay and she came to them catatonic okay the doctor complied to give her haldol but shortly after he discontinued it saying that her flat face seemed to be a side effect Sorry, my features aren't prominent enough for you. No, what? not flat. <laughs> flat like affect. Yeah, but also But she like, already was that. Yeah. What the fuck kind of doctor are you? Exactly. Again, I don't have my PhD. I don't have my MD. I know. Also, antidepressants famously do that too. Uh-huh. Give you flat affect. Yep. So later the doctor would testify and say based on what he got from Andrea, which was barely anything, she did not seem psychotic. She never described the torment she was going through and denied hallucinations and delusional disease. After 10 days being hospitalized, she started feeding herself, which 
in the doctor's opinion, justified releasing her, even though her medication regime was not yet stable. Who is this person? Like, why? Mm -hmm. Andrea also wanted to go home, and the doctor assumed that Rusty could take care of her. Upon returning home and after six days of outpatient therapy, Andrea's mother came to visit to help. So Andrea's mother's there. She begins witnessing clear signs of Andrea's mental state. On May 3rd, Noah, to his grandmother, said, so they all went on a walk, and then they come back in. Andrea goes somewhere. And Noah goes up to the grandmother, and he says he saw his mom filling up the bathtub with water. So the grandma went to go turn off the water and asked Andrea why she was doing it, and she replied, just in case I need it. Additionally, Andrea wouldn't let her friend Debbie Holmes into her house, which used to occur. And she, because she was stopping by to leave food and she like left it on the porch. Later, Holmes stated that she believed that Andrea had been repossessed by the devil, which is an issue that her and Andrea discussed back in 1999 when she had her first issue. But I Holmes, like that they just had over tea. No, I've been possessed by the devil. I don't know your feelings, um, but I just, I need to let you, you've been very kind. It's like, to hey me. girl! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> How was that lap dance? <laughs> She said that she thought she was repossessed, but this time the demons had returned hundredfold. Sure. Andrea again returned to the same hospital she had just left, and she was being attended by the same doctor. Oh, good. He was great last time. He really was. During her entire stay, she was almost completely silent and lethargic, particularly around her husband. My contact just, like, moved. Now you're going to have a headache. Like, what's what's his head? (laughs) Yep. Give me the thin prescription. (laughs) In group sessions, Rusty dominated discussions and always answered questions asked of Andrea, who would not even nod her head. At this point, she's on a combination of Haldol and antidepressants and spent most time in her room on 15-minute suicide checks. By May 14th, the doctor... get away from me also. You know what I mean? When I'm feeling some type of way, I don't want somebody in my room every 15 minutes. Well, they're probably just walking by, making I... sure. Yeah, hopefully. It's just like glancing at a window. It's like, bitch, you got, you got a knife? You good? Dead or not? Okay. So by May 14th, so wait, did I say when she came in this place? Probably not. May 3rd was when she was running the water. So mm-hmm. she obviously wasn't there very long if she's getting released May 14th. Um, not long enough. Like, this is now, what, the fourth time that she's been in and out? Like, get a grip. So by May 14th, the doctor suggested she could go home. Sure. She was still depressed and basically mute, except for responding with her name when asked. But her sleeping and eating had greatly improved, and she was no longer expressing suicidal ideation. She's not expressing anything. Which means she's anything. not saying it out loud. Exactly. Because she's not speaking. Yeah. Okay. She's like Andrea. On June 18th, the... Oh. This? I thought it said Dr. Her. Didn't. <laughs> June 18th, the couple met with the doctor. Her mental state was sharply <laughs> declining, because I just doctor, period, <laughs> and then I didn't. So her mental state was declining. She was off Haldol. And the doctor was experimenting with other drug combinations. Rusty answered most of the questions as usual, but did express serious concern. Andrea was growing worse now and having nightmares. Rusty. 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 Hey, Rusty. <laughs> Rusty asked that the doctor reconsider ECT. But the doctor said no. It was for far more serious disorders. What? What? The doctor also did not want to re-prescribe Haldol. I'm not saying ECT is a cure-all. I do feel like it's more of a reset than anything. And I also think that if you've got a chemical imbalance, ECT is not going to help with any of that. But 
to, to imply that this is not serious what? enough to consider. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. So he did not want to re-prescribe Heldall. Okay. And instead Why? he- Why? Just- Because sure. flat affect. You oh, know? yeah. So your it's a terrible side effect. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Imagine if chemo only gave people no emotion sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Please. Um. So instead he adjusted the level of her antidepressants and suggested that she- Hold on. Gird your fucking loins. Girded. I gotta gird mine because I get real angry. Merg. Does it just mean guard? Gird, fortify, or like maybe? protect. I feel gird. Yeah, do that before I get into this because yeah, I I need to know exactly what I'm doing. You know, when you're girding. I'm girding, but like, what is it about it? <laughs> I, I type gird. It's like your loins. <laughs> yeah, yes, my loins. Correct. So it's got two definitions. The first is to encircle a person or part of the body with a belt or a band. Nope. So you among, a young man was to be girded with the belt of oh, because a girdle. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second is to prepare oneself for something difficult or challenging. They're girding themselves for the upcoming court case. So I feel like it could be one of, it could be like a chastity belt, which would be both definitions, or also just watch your privates yep. because something's coming. Because it it's is. It's going to hit you in the hoo-ha. We're going to metaphorically fuck your loins. <laughs> loins. Okay. So, again, I repeat, he did not want to re-prescribe Heldall. Instead, he adjusted the levels of her antidepressants, suggested she see a psychologist rather than a psychiatrist, and also told her to think positive thoughts. Oh, don't you dare. That's how you don't fly you if you're with Peter Pan, not how you get over <laughs> postpartum bullshit. Just think lovely thoughts. If you, maybe, okay. So sure. here's the, um, so you don't know where Blame I'm going with this? I, I know. I've heard Andrea Yates. I have no idea what she did. I'm not going to lie to you. So I, okay, so purposely. Some things stick in my dome and others do. I did not address the crime because mm-hmm. it's very morbid. Mm-hmm. Basically, she drowned all five of her children. In the bathtub? Yes. So I had a feeling it was death of the children. I can't remember the name. Maybe it's Donna. Maybe it's Diane. I thought perhaps the one who drove the car into the river while um, Hungry Like the Wolf was playing. And yeah, that's different. There. Yeah, so that's where I, that's where my mind was. Yeah, so she drowns all five of her children. She starts with the baby, and then the oldest one ran away. She brought him back and drowned uh, him. And then how she... old was the oldest? Um, do I know? I don't think anybody was double digits. Okay. Oh wait, I can tell you when he was born. Born. You were very very fat. He was born in 1994, mm-hmm. and it happened. So he was seven. Yeah, because what? This is 1999. Yeah, here it's or 2000, 2001. 2001. Yeah, Here's what I've got: Noah was seven, John was five, Paul was three, Luke was two, and Mary was six. Can we get more biblical names? Mary was six months. Six months. Yeah. 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 There was, for her case. That's all you got on the crime. She just like there got drowned. Well, because it's just sad. I don't want to talk about Fair. dead bathtub children. Mm-hmm. Um, Were they still like okay? What? So you drown the six month old, and then like you put her somewhere, or you just like she left her in the bathtub. Then... That's why the one ran because okay. he saw his baby sister floating face down. Ugh. Eventually, I think she takes them all and puts them in a bed and covers them with sheets. Okay, but like fully or like tucks them in as though they're asleep. Fully, I think. Oh, oh bitch! Fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> Um, maybe it's my knee. I need to put somewhere else. And then she immediately called the cops right after. Well, she called Rusty 
And whatever, she said something like, it's bad or whatever. And he's like, who? And she was like, all of them. It reminds me of um, that Leonardo DiCaprio movie, um, Shutter Island. Mm. That's sort of the same thing. Also similar, but not to Haunting of Hill House. Do you think she killed other people? No. If I say to you, it's bad, do you immediately assume I've hurt or killed someone? No, I think the assumption was she was calling because something happened with the child. Someone was hurt or something, not by her hand. So she pled not guilty by reason of insanity. Um, So in her first trial, she... I don't hate that for her. I know you argue it a lot, but... No, no, no. So she was found guilty. Mm -hmm. Partly... She is guilty, but whether or not, like... She was held criminally responsible. Yeah. In her trial, I'm going to talk about this doctor. I don't get into a ton, but it was, I believe, the prosecution's person that, like, evaluated her. Mm-hmm. And he went to the trial and just, like, said just, like, unfounded, no proof of anything. And at one point he had said that there was an episode of Law & Order where the mother killed her kids in a bathtub and okay. pled not guilty by reason of insanity and got away with it. It comes out later that that was never a Law & Order show. and That's it, wild. And it matters because... Andrea very specifically watched Law and Order. Mm-hmm. If it was another show, you you know what I mean? Yeah, okay. But like literally some woman who was like, I've watched every single episode. <laughs> I have Netflix binged the hell out of this and it is not present. Bonge. Mm-hmm. So, um, this is her response. Andrea's. Yes, to some of the questions that this shit doctor asked. Can her. I be the doctor? No, I don't have a role oh, play. Oh, god damn it. I wish. Next time. Um, so... Andrea said that she did not want her children tormented by Satan, as she was. She noted that Satan had been conveying bad thoughts through the television and the cameras in her home. She was also afraid Satan would lure her children to himself and maybe that she had some Satan in her. She believed Satan was inside her giving her directions about harming the children, about a way out to drown them. Now also just keep in mind part of what she believed or was taught is bad mothers make bad children. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, according to Andrea, the drowning would be a way out because the children would go up to heaven and be with God and be safe because they believe children are pure up no until a certain what. point. Sure. Basically, at the time, Andrea thought this was a good idea because she didn't want her children ruined and she was afraid they would continue to go downhill and she thought she should save them before that happened. Andrea believed the children were in torment from Satan because they were exhibiting relatively more strife and disobedience, a.k.a. getting older. Mm-hmm. Um, however, she did not think that Dora, her mother-in-law, was in such torment, nor Rusty, who she believed was a good man. In Andrea's mind, Satan had selected her children because of Andrea's own personal weaknesses. In fact, she had stopped reading the Bible close to the time of the killings because she felt like Satan was nearby. What does that mean? Read more Bible. Not like- Maybe he's peeking over his shoulder, taking notes, cheating. Mm. Andrea seemed to have been markedly influenced by the 1995 movie Seven, a crime thriller about two homicide detectives who strive to solve a case of series... Uh, My God, when Sloth wakes back up, it's just like the scariest. Gluttony. Mo- I can never oh. get that out of my head. Grotesque. Good movie, though. Mm-hmm. Um... So it is two homicide detectives who strive to solve a series of mysterious murders patterned on the seven deadly sins. Gluttony, greed, sloth, pride, lust, envy, and wrath. Toner's low. Where's my wrath? 
So Andrea told Dietz that because she felt she had done all of the other sins, except for murder, she believed that drowning would constitute her seventh and last sin. She claimed that she was thinking of the movie on the day she killed her children about, this is a quote, about what she was about to do and how it fit in there, the deadly sins, and how she had done all of them after she drowned the children. She saw the drowning as a sin that she was going to commit. Although the drowning would condemn her, it would save the life of her children. Well, save her children's souls, I guess, not the life. While Andrea had ruminated about the seven deadly sins a week before she killed her children, she picked the specific date she was going to drown them only the night before. She did not tell Rusty her thoughts about the deadly sins or of her plans to kill because... She can convey all of this? So this is her telling you, like, what's going on in her mind? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so she didn't tell Rusty about her thoughts and uh, or of her plans to kill because in response to Dr. Dietz's question, she believed Rusty would interfere. As Andrea explained, if she had been stopped, the children would still be alive and she would still worry about their soul with Satan around. On the morning of the killing, she tried to act as normal as possible so Rusty would not be alarmed. She literally started immediately after he left and called him after he had only been at work for an hour. Hmm. So she did it in an hour. Um, However, so despite Andrea's claims of careful planning, however, because the argument was it was premeditated, she did not close the blinds or the curtains or take the phone off the hook. The door had already been locked the night before and Rusty left through the garage exit. She also remembers taking her medication. Rusty also remembers her taking her medication before he left. I think it's important to point out that, like, being planned in advance does not mean being well planned in advance. Do you know what I mean? Like, you can have planned something, premeditated something, and not done it well. Not Mm -hmm. executed it well. Um, so she remembers taking her medication... Um, in answer to Dietz's question, she said she felt the presence of Satan that morning just helping her fill up the tub and getting ready. Yet she believed she would be punished, knowing she was would go to jail, and she knew the act was illegal. And again, that's the, the legal yeah. definition of insanity, as you know right from wrong. Five. I don't know why there's a five there. It seemed as though Andrea viewed... Five. Five. <laughs> oh my god, one of the articulates that they're doing and I'm listening to, and so the voice reads text, and at the end it goes, dot. <laughs> like a period? I guess. <laughs> dot. <sighs> she, Hannah was like, it's not written, dot. And it shouldn't usually say period, so I don't, who knows. It seemed as though Andrea viewed the killing as a balancing test. Doing it, the children would go to heaven. Not doing it, there's a risk of Satan messing them up. Probably if she did it, she'd get in trouble. I do feel like that is another, like, from a psychotic mind, I feel like that's kind of important. Like, knowing right from wrong versus knowing legal from illegal. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, she seems to be making a... She knew it was illegal, but she didn't know it was wrong. but feels like it's the right thing to do because of these other psychoses that she's having. So most of my information came from Who is Andrea Yates? A short story about insanity by Deborah W. Denno in 2003. Get out of here, Deborah W. Denno. This was written... After her first trial, before her second. So she was retried. Because they're, uh, I don't know. I, 2006, I feel like I have a So a while ago. I thought it was maybe recent. No, no, no. Um, 
So she was originally found guilty, and then they overturned the verdict because of an appeal that claimed false testimony, which was accurate. And in the second trial, she was found not guilty by reason of insanity. Mm -hmm. And again, for those of you who don't know, just because you're found not guilty by reason of insanity does not mean you go home. You go into a asylum Mm -hmm. or wherever, an institution, and you're likely, well, for this, this is a lot, but sometimes people who do um, not guilty by reason of insanity end up being imprisoned longer in an institution than they would have. In a prison yeah, with, like, parole and good behavior and whatever. So, that is that. She's still in there. Yeah, I... I... Yeah, I don't think she died yet. I think every... I might be making this up. I might be mixing things. But somewhere, every two years, she has to go up for parole. But, like, she's never going to get out. Or no, because she's not prisoned. Yeah. Yeah, I think... I don't, something I read was like, she's not, she won't be released, I think. Oh, I'm sure not. Are you Googling? Mm-hmm. Okay. I can't connect to the Wi-Fi network. You might want to check the connection settings <laughs> in the Google Home app. Thank God you didn't grab me so hard because you touched me right where <laughs> he grasped me and it's tender to the touch. What the fuck is your problem? She's 57. Still. Still alive. Her spouse is listed as 1993 to 2005. Yeah, Rusty divorced her. I was like, why did it take four years? Because he supported her and the whole thing. So part of the the issue, um, don't look at my questions, mm-hmm. but part of the defense was like, she was under the influence of these teachings. Just that photo in general. <laughs> Terrifying. If you see pictures of her when she was younger, she was beautiful. Um, part of it, like she was... A part of these teachings, they were ingrained in her. Rusty's forcing her to have children and doesn't care that it's, like, bad for her. And Rusty, like, if you look at the Wikipedia page, I think, of either the reverend or her court or something. But Rusty said that he didn't believe that the religious bit, that the guy had anything to do with it, that he influenced her at all. So he was defending... He was defending Andrea in that she was sick and stayed with her for a minute, but also wouldn't place blame on the religious man who implanted these ideas. Okay. And then eventually he just divorced her. That's cool. Is she still instituted? Yeah. So this is an article I'm reading from April of 2022. Didn't she, is it, she said she didn't want to be released? Is that a thing? I don't know what I'm So, let me just read it so you're hearing this as I'm (coughs) hearing it. So, after she drowned the children, she called 911 repeatedly and then called her husband and told him to come home from work. She was charged with five counts of capital murder. Her high-profile 2002 trial made national news and was broadcast live, even landing on the cover of People. Despite the fact that Yates confessed to the killings, the complex case has several twists and turns. I was telling all the stuff that you also told us. There's a photo of the family. Very cute, except for this child's teeth in particular. Terrifying. Yeah, that's a lot. <clears throat> her husband, Rusty, initially stood beside her. She loved those kids, he said to a crowd of media in 2001. He later divorced Yates and remarried. 2002, then it's talking about the convictions, the appeals, the blah, 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 blah. Now 57, Yates opts each year to waive her right to be reviewed. We can confirm that she has never undergone review, choosing instead to continue treatment, which is the right choice, like good for her for recognizing. Details of her treatment have not been released to the public. Her defense attorney, George Parnum, keeps in contact with Yates and says that she is happy in the facility. 
She's where she wants to be, where she needs to be, he told ABC News. And I mean, hypothetically, where would she go? What would she do? Which is very true. I feel like you would get killed immediately being in a prison because you're a child murderer or out on the streets. I feel like somebody would kill her. Parnum also said that Yates grieves for her children every day, often watching home videos of the kids who she killed. She spends her time making aprons, cards, and gifts in the craft room and anonymously selling them. The money goes to the Yates Children Memorial Fund, founded by Parnum and his wife Mary, and dedicated to women's mental health. I love that. Particularly postpartum mental health. So she's specifically saying, don't even yeah. review my case. I'm not. It's Which not makes me it. a little bit sad because if she were medicated appropriately yes. and didn't have more children, she likely could function very stable. decided, like, bitch. So, mm-hmm. any thoughts before I ask my questions? No, don't tell me thoughts because they might be my questions. Okay, I have a lot of thoughts. So if okay. that's the question, yes, I do. So my first question is, mm-hmm. how at fault is the last doctor she dealt with prior to the murders? The last doctor she dealt with prior to the murders, to my recollection, is the one who told her and decided that Heldall was not appropriate and that we were going to continue with um, thinking positive thoughts. therapy and and thinking positive thoughts. I think that all, I in my understanding, all the doctors were the same. So if that's not the case, I think that this doctor in particular did a disservice in saying like, this thing that we know worked. We're not going to go back there. I think that Well, that's... also not communicating with any of the doctors that treated her before. And also not... Like, isn't that a whole thing? Don't you get medical records? And not suggesting that, like, this person is a danger, if not to the children, to, the, to themselves. Like, she's tried to commit suicide a number of times. She's talked about suicide at length. She's clearly suffering. She's not to be left alone. Like, I think that that would have solved a lot of problems. She didn't have weapons. You know what I mean? It wasn't like she had guns and she's shooting everybody. Like, she had problems... She did what she thought was the right thing. I I really genuinely think that she did what she thought was. Mm -hmm. It's horrific, but I think what she thought that she was doing. Because she thought she was a bad mother because Satan was inside her and bad mothers make bad children. And like we saw with the Frenchman, that guy that killed his mother, I think that believing that there's this other power that can't be controlled and doing the only thing you think to save that person. Like, mm-hmm. That guy was saving his mother from the Frenchman. Mm-hmm. And then they, at death, they separated again. And the Frenchman was... You know what I mean? Like, I think... Hooves. Yeah. So I feel like in this case, she was... She... You hate to say that drowning the kids is the right decision. But I feel like she thought she was doing, like, a helping service. And I also think that she might have gone on to kill herself. Like, I think if nobody had answered the phone, she would have killed herself. I think that she should sue the doctor for malpractice. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, Just for the simple fact that you didn't look at any charts from anybody else, you only talked to her husband, who clearly has a different opinion of what's going on here. And has been influenced by this outside force that knows nothing about psychology or psychiatry practices. I think that she probably... Like, to suggest that the only thing that ever worked is not what we're going to do here... I think that is... And I don't champion the thought of, like, if you have a patient that goes on... Goes on. One. And fucks up. Poor. That goes on and does something crazy that the doctor should be at fault. But that sure. doctor should have been reviewed. That whoever, Whatever the governing board is should have reconsidered his Well, you did a quick goog and you could find all of this information about her medical history. Do you know what I mean? Like, surely if you're a doctor... That... It's not I like thought she was that moving was around practice. I thought that was a required... I just don't. Any more thoughts on that before I ask my next question? Well, if your next question has to do about her fifth pregnancy, I think that is the 
To me, that's the linchpin. I think the husband is the most at fault because you... Number two, <laughs> is Rusty at fault at all? Yes, 100%. If somebody tells you the only thing you can't do is eat pizza, you're going to be fine for the rest of your life. You're never going to have this problem again. As long as you take your medicine and you don't eat pizza, I wouldn't eat pizza. But if somebody force-fed it to me, I'd be pissed. And I think his mind was like, oh, God said to have as many kids, blah, blah. And she believes that as well. Well, even if she didn't, she's psychiatrically, she, to, well, yeah. my, to my mind, she can't provide consent. Yeah. So I think his impregnating her was akin to a rape. Hmm. Psychological rape. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, like, you didn't care for this person at all. Okay. At all. You're 100% responsible for those kids. Now, my third question. Is Andrea Yates a victim? Of a poor system? Yes. I think that the same way I think she's a victim is the same way I think of Heath Ledger, where I don't get the impression that he was, like, intending to commit suicide, but I think he took advantage of chinks in the armor in terms of our medical system, which are getting better now that we have, like, EMR and stuff. But, like, if you go to one doctor and they prescribe you an antidepressant and you go to another doctor and you don't say, hey, I'm on this antidepressant. And you have it sent to a different pharmacy. Yes. You can just keep collecting and collecting and collecting. And I think that um, she was the victim of that sort of not communicating across doctors, like not knowing. I think she was also a victim of her husband and oh, the religious sure. guy. Yeah, I didn't even... Cons- I, the religious guy is so far removed from this in my mind. Like, like I, it's really not I just glazed over him, but he was... No, it's a very important... The absolutely. shit he espoused was out-fucking-rageous. Mm-hmm. Like... And I think if you... You're living with somebody who has psychosis, like Rusty. You must know... You must know. Even, like, do you care about your wife at all, knowing... Even if the psychosis doesn't lead to murder, she's going to suffer after she gives birth. You know this. She wants to kill herself. Mm-hmm. Like, are you crazy? Like, of course get her help. Like, I, can, I just can't. The patriarchy. Ugh. But I think he, I think he might have believed, Rusty, I mean, might have believed that because God's will is to have as many kids as you can, having that will give her purpose and will give her, like, Oh, now she'll want to be alive for the kids. No, it makes him look good as a father in the eyes of the Lord. I just can't. That The whole thing is fucked up. I just, I will never understand. I think it's such disgusting child abuse to have kids and like in that quantity. And like when you have. In a trailer? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have nowhere to live. You're, you're one. I mean, they, they ended up in a house, but they were in a trailer for a long time with more than one child. Regardless, like if you don't have your own bedroom for the kids, you know, like. I'm even worried about, like, having a guest at my house because there wouldn't be appropriate living space. I can't imagine having, like, children who live in one of those rooms that's, like, very small or whatever. And I think that is problematic. And then you look at those, um, what are the ones that 19 counted the Duggars or whatever? Mm. And, like, all their sexual abuse allegations aside, like, having children. If you didn't have so many, maybe your son wouldn't have been a pedophile. Yeah. Or maybe you would have caught it sooner because you would be paying attention to the goddamn kids. They just ignored it. But I think, like, having a... system where the older kids take care of the younger kids and then they're all building homes for you like fuck you yeah that's not why you have children exactly you have children so they can enjoy their childhood which is so fleeting and so short like let them enjoy that and so hard to enjoy these days oh my god let them have fun let them be kids be innocent and youthful and like so it is annoying that he was like oh just keep having kids that's what god wants that's not what god wants God doesn't give a fuck. God is not real. But toner's low. God also is not real. If he was, he would make my computer stop telling me a tuner's fuck. Tuner's loo. Tuner's loo. 
Seriously. I just can't imagine being like, oh, there is a god and it's not good people. It's the quantity of just people in general that he wants. Do you know what I mean? Like, or she wants, they want. The whole thing is ridiculous. So this is my last question, but I have to give some background. So the this article that I read, I think it was the article that I just said out loud. I read two, but one was more like commentary on the first article, so I'm pretty sure it's Deno. Mm-hmm. Deborah W. Deno? Yes. She was talking about how the way she sees it in... Is she credentialed? Or she's yeah, this was like in the Duke Journal of some shit. Okay. Um... The way she sees it is there's two types of criminal cases. It's like who done it or what was done. And mm-hmm. in a who done it, it's like I as, Did you say that would be like an OJ case? Yes. Hey, we, we know, got glass today. Uh-huh. We know what was done. Mm-hmm. We're trying to prove who did it. Yep. Or uh what was done. So now maybe we know who did it. But what was it? Like, mm-hmm. what was the the meat of it? And usually, she said, in who done it cases, juries are more likely to find the defendant guilty. In the what was done, they are more likely to find the defendant not guilty. That's interesting. I was talking to a lawyer about the... Again, I hate... To, now I'm shoehorning Johnny Depp, but... I, I was talking to him about that case. Prescribe. Subscribe. We'll do a thing. He was saying that no matter what testimony is presented, no matter how good or bad one or the other party looks like, that they are, the jury, I mean, is going to find that, like, just flatline. Like, it's just equilibrium. That doesn't matter. They're both awful. You can't, there's no proof. It's not good enough. Like, because it's hard. Well, they gave that social media guy. He, he had good graphs and charts and they were like, okay, here's, you can see his credentials climbing and his searches were great and then tanked so i thought that was they're gonna find for him but i think that the point isn't was he abused or was she abused the point is like was his did his career suffer and i think that it's harder in this case like what you're saying for the jury to quantify was it impacted enough and i think that and was she lying was it defamatory yes and i think that 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 subjectivity even if it was a lie she doesn't state his name so can you prove that it was a well? Listen, but like if you're a jury and you have to say one way or the other, jury nullification. I'm gonna scream it from the fucking rooftops. But that's what the lawyer was saying. Like because it's not, is she an asshole? If the case was is she an asshole, like jury would be like, yeah, absolutely, she's an asshole. But to be like, did her assholishness impact him enough for this to be a justified case? And because that's so subjective, person to person, it's going to be like, well, y'all make millions of dollars. Fuck you. Or I, I have thoughts. I'm not going to get into Johnny Depp. It's a whole separate. Subscription. Because we're gonna do it on our Patreon. Well, it might be Anchor. I don't or know. Or Anchor. We're gonna subscribe. We're gonna have a subscription service. Subscription, um, please. Did we talk about this yet? No. We're, so we're gonna have a. I think maybe we should do the Yates trial. Is that available? Uh, I'd be very interested in that. So anyway, we're gonna watch famous, or not famous, whatever court cases where you can watch the whole thing. We're gonna go day by day, and live react and react with to video. It. And Ellen's gonna be dressed as Benjamin Franklin. You know. Also, I love, yes, that is all accurate. I love to Google. And so I like the idea that we have control of this and we can pause. Google. They said confirm. something. Let me verify that that's what I think it means and move forward. Mm-hmm. So I'm very excited about this. We just need Ellen to get a little bit more time. And my hope is when you get a little June more time, 19th. you're willing to research how we can video. 
Oh, sure. Because I don't want to. Okay. But the good news is... I have an excellent camera Here's the problem. We could do full camera for everything because you know what Anchor fucking does now? Mm. Anchor supports... Save it for the next Right? Commercial. It supports <laughs> video. So we could... Say we video recorded this and then we upload it. It will put it on Spotify as video, oh. but everywhere else, just the audio. Oh, I love that. So, but we still need to know... I need to know how we're filming it and how I can edit so my camera uploads automatically if you choose. It can do, like, it usually is like, you want your pictures automatically uploaded to Facebook or whatever, but you can select where it goes. You just type in the website. So I need you to find a program to edit video. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyways. So she said in the whodunit, it's more to likely convict. to be guilty. Makes sense. What was done, not guilty. In theory, that means with Andrea, it was a what was done. We mm-hmm. knew she did it. But she argued that that worked against her because people have an inclination, like a proclivity, a desire. They have to place blame. Mm -hmm. So even for people who were like, sure, she's not guilty. They're blaming the husband. They're blaming the preacher. Like there's no, she was sick and this happened. Mm -hmm. So my final question, which is kind of, I guess, similar to what we were talking about in our actually last episode (laughs) not really though um why are people so afraid to just acknowledge the severity of mental illness Mm. and let that be the reason and why do they continue to have to like place blame on a person and not a disorder or a system that failed a disorder i think we have two things there and one of them i i think is it's like a shitty reason but i think it's got good intentions so I think the one part of that is that we don't want to say everyone who has psychosis is a murderer, mm-hmm. is going to be a murderer. I think that is very stigmatizing. And that prevents people from saying, like, yes, I have a disorder. Mm-hmm. I'm living okay. with this and I'm struggling from being comfortable saying those things. So I think it is important to keep, like, just because you have this title now doesn't mean that you are you should be stigmatized. I think that that's very reasonable. But in this case, I think she was getting bad advice left, right, and center about how to manage that illness. And I don't even get the impression that her husband and like maybe this religious guy were willing to understand the disorder for what it was. It seemed like they were like, okay, let's take her in for help. She's fine now. Yeah. Like, okay, it's good. Oh, uh, episode over. It's fine. And that's not how mental health works. And so I think that that was probably the first step of the problems there. I would like to say it's not got to do with this label, this like, well, that's what I that think. I think it doesn't have to be. You should be able to sit in that courtroom mm-hmm. and watch the footage and see that her particular experience of this disorder was so severe. Was she medicated on the stand? Do you know? Probably. So she, she was. She had lucid. to be made to be competent for sure. Um, but like, why is it so hard? Again, I'm gonna keep hammering this i don't know why i'm on i think it's because i was talking to that guy and it stuck with me but like i remember this quote especially when i was like in my 20s and it was like if you're thinking about depression and you want to kind of make it make sense sadness is like a cold Mm. and depression is cancer Mm -hmm. it's so pervasive and it's so and why are we so unwilling to to let that be Like, again, a lot of people think not guilty by reason of insanity is making excuses for people. And we are not. And there are certain disorders that do not ever make even an explanation, well, a mitigating factor 
for someone. We're talking about like antisocial personality disorder, things like that. And also, even though it was bad, like she was trying to get help. Mm -hmm. So I feel like it, it should just be okay. And you should be a jury and you can be like, wow, this whole situation is very sad. And she was very sick Mm -hmm. and it is so unfortunate. And she is not criminally responsible for this and let her go get treated. Yeah. And I just. I mean, I guess they did the right thing, though, the jury. The second time when they got appropriate evidence, because in arguing that it was premeditated and saying on law and order, it happened. And then, but, like, that didn't actually, that wasn't actually a thing. Like, well, exactly. Is that lawyer held responsible? Th- this like, that's whole insane. article that I read, I didn't even get into it. She ripped him to shreds. Like, Good. some of the, you the, can't just the sweeping statements he, I, oh, God, I can't even fucking remember. He was said something like, oh, Let's Andrea was available. known to do this. Actually, let me Google her fucking article. What was I looking up? The trial. Because I would like to watch the first one. I don't give a oh, shit yeah. about the second one. Who is I it? hate that it's not Y-E-A-T. I don't know. I just really want it to be spelled that way. I always read that in my head as Yeats. Yeats. She got yeeted right out of the courtroom. Watch. Can I get it in... Can I get a PDF? What the fuck? I definitely had one. Oh, here it is. All right. I'm going to get to the good bit. Because she breaks it up very easily. And that's why I had such an easy time doing this. Because she did, like, the timeline of it. And then I obviously just left out the murders. So, oh, wow. I did not read 141 pages. That's the references. Okay, so. this. Sorry, in 2021, I just thought this was kind of interesting. The question was, is as I'm looking for this trial... Is Rusty Yates still married? The former NASA engineer said he has forgiven his ex-wife in there was an ID documentary. He said he regularly visits her at the mental hospital and remarried in 2006, had one second child, but his divorce is otherwise. Interesting that he visits her. Well, you fucked her, man. Well, to have like, yeah, pretended to care for her. So the doctor, Park Dietz is considered one of the most prominent and provocative psychiatric expert witnesses in the country. In one professional capacity or another, he has been involved with a long list of famous homicide defendants, John Hinckley Jr., Jeffrey Dahmer, Susan Smith, Melissa Drexler, the Menendez brothers, O.J. Simpson in the civil case, Mm. and Ted Kaczynski, to name a few. Okay, so his professional credentials, he acquired a B.A. from Cornell in biology and psychology, an M.D. from John Hopkins School of Medicine, and a master's in public health, and Ph.D. in sociology. Bitch, where do you get the time? And the money, actually, really. Oh, I forgot about this, bitch. Sorry, so Court TV has, like, every trial we're probably ever going to watch. Do you remember that one? It was a um, gentleman, and he was, uh, like, a freshman, I think, in college. He was living with his roommate, and he was exposed as being gay. And he jumped off a bridge. He killed himself. And the people who exposed him as being gay are on trial. I think that would be very interesting. Mm. Arizona versus Jody Arias. Oh my god, we have so many trials to watch. California versus Durst. Ugh, I'm so glad he's dead. I didn't give a fuck. The Manson family parole hearings. That's interesting. That's, well... California versus Menendez. The beating of Rodney King would be interesting. 
Phil Spector. Girl, I'm dying. I can't wait for this. When are we doing the subscription service? When you have time. I, tomorrow. Let's do it right now. I mean, we could. We don't have a camera. Ugh. God damn it. Cosby? Bitch. I, can, I don't think I, I don't think I can. This one actually is a 1994 paparazzi harassment civil trial. <laughs> Casey. I'm so mad. I can picture where I read it. Here we go. And here's the interview. So it's after this. Okay, so the issue with him is that he had empirically unsupported conclusions. Um... Deed's testimony about Andrea's condition is full of troubling speculations that sound authoritative but have no empirical support. Of course, the field of psychiatry in general is vulnerable to such criticisms. As the following analysis suggests, however, in a number of instances, Dietz's accounts give Andrea's actions a degree of intentionality and manipulation that seem to derive only from Dietz's interpretations and no other source. Dietz testified that when Andrea attempted suicide the first time using pills, she got a week away from the stressors only with an overdose when she was hospitalized. In other words, the idea conveyed was that the ol that only an overdose, Andrea could get substantial break from taking care of the kids in the house. Like that is absolutely, uh, yes. that's nothing a psychiatrist would, unless she said it out of her mouth hole. Exactly. Um, and it doesn't, I don't get the impression that she was feeling that. Uh, exactly. It, from anything. Movie popcorn murder trial, the hell? Are you going to change our entire podcast into oh just God. watching trials? No, uh, that's video? the subscribe. You want to watch this? you got to subscribe. But now I'm like, do we do... I think OJ needs no introduction. Mm. So we can probably just do that one. But then I'm like, some of these other ones I want to do real But bad. like, I think we'll just be like, this is the case. This was the crime. This was the verdict. Boom. Mm -hmm. This is how they got there. Yeah. Dietz also portrayed Andrea as manipulative and controlling in her decision to discontinue medication and become pregnant again with Mary, her fifth child. Her she didn't discontinue. She didn't discontinue until she knew she was pregnant. Also, it takes two, motherfucker. Like, if your husband knows that you're going to become psychotic again, maybe wrap your dick. Dietz emphasized that Andrea did not want to admit her mental illness and therefore did not take her medication for that reason. Yet he depicted her motives. The doctor didn't prescribe it. You can't just decide prescribe. to not. Um, yet he depicted, depicted, depicted her motives very differently when he discussed the medication issue in the context of Andrea and Rusty's apparent efforts to have another child. According to Dietz, Andrea's pregnancy was one of the repeated examples of Mrs. Yates not following the advice of her doctor and thinking she knows best and maintaining control. Dietz suggests that Andrea directed the entire decision to conceive. She's the one deciding what to do. She will not take the medicine unless she wants it. She will get pregnant when she wants it. it She's not taking the medicine during pregnancy. At the, no, it was. But the doctor, well, she had to go it's off after because she was birth. pregnant. Yeah. But like and It was after the birth when the guy was oh like, meh. Um... Mm -mm. Dietz's analysis assumes realities of Andrea's life that did not exist. First of all, accounts of Andrea and Rusty's marriage indicate that Rusty was the one in control, the one making decisions, and the one pushing for more children. Second, testimony revealed that both Andrea and Rusty had been advised by multiple staff members on the importance of staying on medications and on the importance of not having another pregnancy. Dietz's conclusions suggest that Rusty had nothing to do with the decision. Indeed, Rusty continually joked, even at his children's funeral, that he always wanted enough boys to make up a basketball team. Likewise, Debbie... At your children's funeral? 
Mm-hmm. I don't care how funny you think that joke is. Why would you even talk about having Unless kids when five of your children are dead? The pastor has literally fallen off of the altar. With the urn. Oh, my God. The frankincense. Um, likewise, Debbie Holmes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We talked about that. Um, by his comments, Dietz implied that Andrea's behavior was anomalous and that her refusal of medication related to her need to control. Yet recent research suggests that more serious mental illness is a cause, not a consequence, of a patient's refusal of treatment. With her antipsychotic medication. In fact, when Andrea was being evaluated for her competency hearing, she expressed concern that her medication may be contributing to her psychotic episodes. Resisting medication was also a matter of pride. Fourth, many women reject medication while they are pregnant. The DSM entry on postpartum disorders discusses this very issue and makes recommendations to medical personnel about how to counteract it. Finally, Dietz never acknowledged that more than 50% of all pregnancies are unplanned, irrespective of what couples want or decisions that they make. Throughout his testimony about Andrea's last pregnancy, Dietz attributes a level of intentionality to events that may well have simply been an accident. Can you read that paragraph before that? Or the sentence before the one you just read? Finally, Dietz never acknowledged that more than 50% of all pregnancies are unplanned, irrespective of what oh, couples... I see, I see, I see. Okay. Sorry. I thought it was, like, of their pregnancies. Oh, no. I was no, like, no. that makes a huge difference if they're just, like... You know how people are like, oh, it's contraception's ungodly or whatever Mm -hmm. so on her knowing right from wrong he said her mind recognized murder is wrong or she would not have sought the death penalty to get rid of her inner demons and protect her children from falling into satan's grasp her mind recognized murder was illegal but thought it was the only escape also by wanting to dispose of satan she had to believe satan had evil ideas therefore she still comprehended evil to be wrong she also knew the society and god would condemn her actions of course blah 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 um Frequently during his testimony, Dietz would strain the interpretation of an incident to support the view that Andrea knew the difference between right and wrong. For example, on May 3rd, when Andrea filled the home bathtub with water while Dora Yates was present, the incident was perceived to be so bizarre it sent Andrea back to Devereaux, which is the hospital. According to Dietz, Andrea doesn't give a reasonable account of what why she did that fill the tub, and they, Devereaux, take her back the next day or the day after. But in the months following the incident, Andrea gave several accounts of why she filled the tub that day, including what seemed to be the most reasonable and defense-oriented. One, she had thoughts of drowning her children. Mm-hmm. A portion of the direct examination of Dietz seemed to recognize that this explanation could support the defense's position. If Andrea were contemplating drowning her children with Dora present, it would fuel the defense's argument that she may not have known what she was doing was wrong. While this interpretation, interpretation. When you say wrong, you mean criminally responsible. Yeah. There's criminally responsible and then there's I did a thing. I just don't like the use of the word was wrong because there's so many legally wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes sense. Um, While the interpretation of Andrea's motives is purely speculative, it is the most rational account that Andrea herself provides. It's also congruent with the vague statement that Andrea made in response to Dora's question of why she was running the water, which is just in case I need it. Was it was 94 that you told me that that happened? No. The, sure. the first thing of, like, running the water was... No, that was pretty close. It happened in May. Like oh, 90. yeah, May 3rd, you told me or something. Yeah. Indeed, at a later point in his testimony, Dietz downplayed the fact that Andrea told others she was considering drowning her children while Dora was present. Dietz's story is intertwined with Andrea's own conflicting accounts. As Dietz explained, sometimes she told doctors she was thinking of drowning the children. Then sometimes she said, so sorry that my delusions aren't the same. My apologies. They don't follow the pattern you'd expect. 
Sometimes she said she thought she might drown the children then. Sometimes she said she might need it, the tub water, because they might have their water cut off by the utility company. And all those times she said that she wasn't thinking of drowning the children then. However, the explanation that Andrea gave Dietz while interviewing her is the least reasonable one. The utility company truck explanation rather than drowning the children. Um, the more pointed question to ask is why did Andrea tell Dietz the company truck answer when she told others she was thinking of drowning her children? Does it really make sense for a woman to fill her family tub in such an odd manner on May 3rd because of a possible water shortage, but then fill it again on June 20th to drown her children? It seems unlikely that Andrea's disruptive actions on May 3rd were sufficiently disturbing to hospitalize her again appeared appeared due to her concern over water shortage, particularly in the light of other evidence. In sum, Dietz's testimony was too focused on trying to explain Andrea's illogical thinking, which basically stemmed from her mental illness. His analysis was not based on facts, but rather pure speculation about her delusional thought patterns. According to one legal scholar, medical expert witnesses are not advocates for either side in litigation, but may advocate their opinion. Yet there were a number of aspects of Dietz's testimony where his prosecutorial prosecutorial bent came through quite obviously. For example, despite his level of experience, Dietz repeatedly referred to the drownings as homicides or crimes, even though at the time, I feel like there should be a objection. Objection, leading the witness. (laughs) Objection. Oh, what is it? Objection. Fuck! Objection. Fast acting. Objection. What do they call it? Um, it's like why they're like you can't allow evidence because it's going oh, inflammatory evidence. Yeah, like it it'll prejudice the jury. Mm. Um, object objectin objectin tenactin. Um, Andrea, who had not been con- convicted of anything, which you can't say homicides or crimes. Likewise, at certain points, it was Dietz who directly led the prosecution to a criminal conclusion about Andrea. For example, question. Now, you noted that, or Dr. Saeed told Mr. Yates that someone must be with his wife, but she was left alone. Was that correct? That is also a thing. Rusty was told not to leave her alone, and he immediately went to work. Um, okay, so the question. She wasn't to be left alone. Answer, yes. And, of course, the significance of that is that it gives her the opportunity to commit the crimes. Or to lose her mind. And then he analyzes the homicide, pre-homicide phase, homicide phase, and the post-homicide phase. Um, What are the phases? The pre-homicide phase was key for Andrea's defense because it went to the issue of whether she knew the difference between right and wrong. Dietz conceded that Andrea told both Rusty and her friend Debbie Holmes about her concerns for the presence of Satan, the influence of Satan. Even in Dietz's opinion, Andrea was open about her fears and did not attempt to hide them. Okay, the thing that I hate a little bit about this is that I think saying that if there's a pre, a current, and a post phase is that it assumes that psychopathology or like psychiatric breaks follow a pattern like you are the same before during and after. well but that's the thing of it he's trying to say it had nothing to do with her mental state she did it on purpose she knew what was right yeah um what Dietz emphasizes however is that despite andrea's openness about satan she concealed the thoughts of harming her children from other people if for example she was concerned that by mentioning the harm to other people it would actually happen Dietz responds that this fear would be even more reason for andrea to talk about it Dietz's that doesn't even make sense. No. Dietz's legal like logic applied to the thinking of a mentally ill Andrea Yates goes as follows. So this is a direct quote. 
If it's true that she believed that killing the children would save them, then why would she not want it to happen? She would want to talk about it so it came true and the children would be saved. So I concluded at that point that she's keeping it a secret. She knows that other people are going to stop her, that it's wrong, that it's a bad idea, and she admits as such. She admits that she knew people would stop her. Well, she Because knows she knows it's illegal, illegal, but she needs to be able to do it so they'll go to heaven. Right. <sighs> Dietz also rather bizarrely analyzes Andrea's statements as real and debates her theories about Satan, even though everyone agreed that Andrea was mentally ill and delusional. So that's a question I had when she's on the stand when I can't find if her testimony is available or not. But when she's on the stand, I don't know if she testified. This is a pre-interview mm. before the trial. I was just going to say, like, of course, if I'm medicated and you're questioning me about these illogical beliefs, I'm like. I know that sounds crazy. But I don't even think she knew it sounded crazy when you're, when she was medicated. Yeah, that's the other question. Like, when you're medicated, can you – like, that guy with schizophrenia that I really just love his drawing, can you – like, he knows that that's not real. He knows. But he can't stop it and sometimes it affects him. Yeah. So, like, how do you say – you know what I mean? Like, okay, so now I'm on medication for schizophrenia and I – I hate when people say schizophrenia. I'm on medication for schizophrenia. I know – that those things are not well i think she was so influenced by her religious beliefs that it was still real to her that bit was real shitty combination i know it was a perfect storm Mm -hmm. um so delusions Mm -hmm. are by definition illogical disease please as a key text on delusional disease emphasizes (laughs) thank you in the delusional mode thought Form is relatively normal, but abnormal content predominates and is associated with profound but focused illogically Deet's story is based on applying a logical analysis to Andrea's truly illogical ruminations. There's really no diagnostically acceptable point to it, nor is it even clear that Andrea intended what Deet said because she never articulated it. He did. Perhaps anticipating this criticism, Dietz explained that he is entitled to apply such an inordinate amount of logic to the thinking of a mentally ill person because Andrea seemed to him to be psychologically ready to engage in the act of killing. You can be that and be mentally disordered. Right. Like, what? Yet again, Dietz does not provide any empirical support for this very vague explanation. Parenthetically, parents, mm. the field of psychi- psychi- psychiatry psychiatry <laughs> does not encourage members of its profession to engage in logic-applied analyses of the illogical ramblings of mentally ill people. Of course. Yep. And then you're saying all of this as matter of fact to a jury who doesn't know any fucking shit. Yes, exactly. And, like, where was the other side expert witness? You know what I mean? Like, to say... Well, I, there was insane. one, but I think he dominated. Dietz showed striking confidence in his conclusions despite the conjecture. Comparably noteworthy was Dietz's complete disregard of the literature on postpartum depression, which indicates that women generally do not tell others that they are thinking of harming or killing their children. They are afraid... And embarrassed and disturbed by such thoughts. I'll do you one better. I probably shouldn't. I guess it's illegal to talk about this. I don't know. I was just reading a, an article for a, a journal publication. And I was reviewing it. And they were talking about pregnancy and smoking. And they were like, it was something like 75% of people who are smokers who become pregnant don't say anything to their doctor. Because they know it's bad. They know it's wrong. But they're addicted and they can't help it. And then for, like, they can control it up until, like, the third trimester. And then they're like, fuck, I need a goddamn cigarette. Because it hurts. And you know what I mean? Like, you're feeling some type of way. And then they go back to smoking. And then after the birth, they're like, oh, thank God I can smoke again. But still repeatedly report to their doctors, I don't smoke, I don't smoke, I Mm -hmm. don't smoke. 
like that i feel like similar but very different here like no i'm fine i'm fine i'm fine because you know if you say you're not fine you're gonna be medicated you don't want to be medicated because you don't you because she knew she wasn't fine but Mm -hmm. her not fine was satan not a mental disorder right and the medication you think is a truth serum so you're feeling uncomfortable taking that ugh what so this is a bunch of bullshit. Dietz explained <laughs> that Andrea seemed grossly psychotic and mentally disturbed from June 21st to some period thereafter. So very sick that she was hearing growls and voices and seeing teddy bears and ducks and marching soldiers that she believed were satan- satanic. Yet, he claimed there was not nearly as much evidence of that kind of extreme sickness or gross psychosis on June 20th as there is for the period beginning June 21st. <laughs> what? What? Like, also, who's reporting this to you? What do you, where did you get this? Dietz attributed his impression that Andrea was different in a sicker way to the rapid changes in Andrea's life after she was arrested. Because that would cause sure. rapid changes. However, there is an alternate, alternative ex- explanation. explanation. Mm-hmm. Andrea did not receive nearly as much medical attention on June 20th as she did on June 21st when she became yeah. the object of intense evaluation. On June 20th, she was with police for much of the day, whereas on June 21st, she was surrounded by psychiatrists who were able to assess her mental state. Well, that's what I'm thinking, too. Like, so now this atrocity has occurred and you're getting medication. Undoubtedly, for the first week or two that you're receiving that medication and your work, your body leveling itself out, you're probably still like, oh, this is truth serum. I don't want this. I don't want this. I don't want this. And then at some point you're like, oh, shit, this is what normality feels like. Like, I feel better. I'm sorry. I was screaming at you. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And now she has to live with those memories that I'm sure exist no matter what state of psychosis you're in of killing your kids, dealing with all of these things like that. I'm sure that that haunts her on a daily basis. We should write to her. Let's write to her. I know. I feel very good. But, like, she's raising money. Uh, yeah. Come I, on. Like, like and raising money me, without her name being attached. It makes me very sad because, again, I, in terms of being a danger to society, she is not. Danger to herself, if she's properly medicated and monitored, she is not. As long as she doesn't get pregnant, which she won't. Mm-hmm. And she's willingly keeping herself yeah. in an institution until she dies. Because now she's aware. Aware, yeah. And she's scared. And she doesn't want to risk it. Mm -hmm. And that shows a level of concern for the public that a lot of people who kill their children never have. Exactly. Oh, we got to do that other woman too now. The Hungry Like the Wolf? Yeah. I can sing it in the background. Do, 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 do,